What up, Brawlers? Uh, welcome back to Throne Hands, episode 6, where Daniel and I will be reviewing UFC 249. Daniel, how are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I can't wait for Saturday. So we're just going to jump right into it. Jeremy Stevens versus Calvin Cater. These two guys were born on the same day, May 26, two years apart. So what do you have on uh, Stevens' fighting style for me? Uh, Jeremy Stevens, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing because he's been around – uh, for a while, and uh, he's he's, I wouldn't say in terms of fighting style, but uh, something I saw pointed out earlier earlier this week uh, was that he's sort of become the Donald Cerrone of the featherweight division, uh, kind of kind of that gatekeeper into the top five uh, of that division ranking, and he's he's been really uh, facing off with some pretty good guys, and has as I said, been that gatekeeper uh, into contention at featherweight. Uh, but he's the type of guy that if he can if he can just get one clean shot in on him on his opponent in this case Calvin Cater, uh, he's putting another W uh, in his win column. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that. I mean, I think his his striking comes with the cost, which we'll get into in later. He just throws his whole body into it, and he'll get himself off balance. But I think this matchup with Cater is good as we go into his style because he is a he's a fantastic fantastic boxer. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he his his striking is so precise, and it just seems like he thinks out every move when he goes through. It. And his his uh, I can't think of the word, but he has some Muay Thai background under his belt, which really helps him with his elbows in the clinch. So, what do you think the keys to Stevens' victory is on this one? I think he's just in terms of his style, he's just gonna have to stand and fight with Cater. I mean, uh, what we've seen in the past. Um, uh, with Calvin Cater is with uh, especially when he uh, squared off with Magomed Sharapov that um, in, in that case his opponent was was trying to kind of keep things moving keep him on his toes uh, stay stay on his feet a little bit and and I don't think Jeremy Stevens is going to do that I think if he can if he can take some shots from Cater and as you said kind of get leaned in close and again just get that one clean shot and that's probably the best path for him to win this one yeah I tend to agree and I think you know he does he does throw hard punches which keeps him off, which throws him off balance whenever he throws that right hook or right jab really hard his right foot comes off the ground and with yeah. Cater's incredible boxing ability i think that could be a problem because if because if he just gets one Cater just gets one uppercut or one nice jab to the head he's just going to get thrown off balance and taken to the ground how do you think Cater will win this fight i think you just kind of laid it out is he's got a sucker Stevens into trying to go for that big shot to finish it uh, and uh, just catching clean uh, with really you know, some outstanding technique that he's shown in the past. And whether he finish, he get he finishes it on the ground or w- whatever happens, I think I would probably take Cater in this fight solely because uh, he's a little bit more versatile than Stevens, a little bit more more technically sound. And I think that's going to be the key. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that there. And I think he needs to watch out for knees because Stevens yeah. is such a creative striker. And 
when he gets into his zone, he just he throws everything. He throws the whole kitchen uh, sink at you. So I think for my prediction with this fight, I have Calvin Cater too. I think he will he will sucker Stevens into some off balance punches, and I think his precise boxing, which will help him keep distance, will keep him in this match. I I am I am winning the decision personally. So we're gonna go on to another very big fight. This could have some implications in it. Ngannou versus Rosenstrike. What do you have on Ngannou style? I love Francis Ngannou just because he's a huge guy that can put you down. Uh, sometimes not even with uh, the full power that he's got in his hands. He's the kind of guy that, I mean, we saw it against Cain Velasquez. He he can do some serious damage and doesn't need a lot of time or a lot of space to do it. He's one of the most powerful athletes we've ever seen in the UFC. And personally, he's one of my favorite guys I've ever seen go in the octagon. Yeah. I Yeah, definitely with Ngannou, his striking is definitely his strong. So you never really see him take a fight to the ground too often. He had, he did uh, have a Kimura. I can't remember who, but he he has a very sneaky submission game, and his kicks are so powerful and quick. You can't really avoid them too much. And he also has great recovery, and he also eats the kicks, which is very important against especially this guy Rosenstrike, who's a kicks boxer. What you got on Rosenstrike? Uh, that's really kind of what sums it up for for him. Uh, like you just said, he's a kickboxer. He can he can throw. Uh, a lot of strikes and, and he's pretty good at that. But the thing that, that interests me the most in this fight, we can talk about this a little bit uh, for the most part in terms of size, uh, he really matches up well with Nganu, which could be an interesting thing because a lot of times when we've seen Nganu have trouble, it's guys that do match up with him size wise. I mean, he lost to Derek Lewis at 226, and they're, they're pretty well uh, the same size in terms, in terms of mass. So this is going to be two big boys throwing a lot of bombs at each other, and I'm really excited for it. Yeah, and I think with Rosenstrike, he, he, you know, people say, oh, Ngannou is extremely powerful. This dude has power behind his punches. Yes. He knocked out, I mean, Overeem's 38, and he probably has no brain matter left in his head. But he, when he throws a punch, he, he lets his guard down, and he, like, throws his elbow behind him, which puts more power into yeah. his punch. And I he think had, He had four stoppage wins in 11 months. Yeah, he's year. he's absolutely insane. I think with his refined kickboxing, he'll definitely give Ngannou a problem. So what do you think Ngannou's keys to the victory are? It's, I think it's the keys that we see in every Francis Ngannou fight. It's don't get taken to the ground early and just try to land the big right. And um, I really think that's all you really need to think about with him just because of how, how dominant he's proven to be when he can stick to the game plan. Yeah, definitely. And he has to use that reach to his advantage. He has a five-inch reach advantage, and he also has a three-inch leg reach advantage. So he can definitely keep the distance on Rosenstrike. And he does have problems with refined striking, as you noticed in the Stipe Miocic fights. Yeah, Stipe's not a kickboxer or anything, but he's just, he's just worked on that craft so long. Yeah. He just knows how to throw the punch. And if he doesn't get taken to the ground, he definitely has a great chance of getting uh, into this fight and I don't see that fight going to the ground that much because they're both no. stand-up fighters and he's got to keep his feet and he cannot get backed up against this dude yeah so what are the keys for Rosenstrike I think the thing with Rosenstrike is you've got to keep Ngannou on his toes and you got to stay away from the right hand uh, that's the thing again like you said Rosenstrike's not much of a ground guy either uh, these two have had 24 career combined wins 23 of them uh, have been some sort of stoppage. And I think 
Rosenstrick, because he has that reach disadvantage, is going to have to get in tighter a little bit, which is going to be a disadvantage when it comes to avoiding that big hand from Ngannou. Uh, but if he can if he can get in close enough to where he can kind of start to chop Ngannou down, uh, he's, I mean, six foot four and well-built. But, I mean, anybody starts taking kicks to the legs, they're going to start uh, going down a little bit. If he can kind of chop Ngannou down somewhat, and then uh, kind of pepper him with strikes at some point. I think that's probably uh, the best way for him to get a win here. That's, I think that's definitely so. And I think he's got to keep a high guard in this fight because you cannot yeah. let Nganu come in with that right hook or right jab to the chin. And he, he, he likes to eat, eat his strikes like he did against Overeem. He likes to eat the strikes. He can't do this against Nganu. Absolutely not. He's, he's the best striker since uh, well, honestly, Overeem in the heavyweight division. Well, juiced up Overeem, and he's got to strike smart. He's <laughs> he's got to use his he's got to use his very refined kickboxing background Absolutely. in this fight. And I think if he does that, he can definitely win. So, what do you what what are the predictions here? Uh, this is this is such an interesting fight because I love both of these guys so much, uh, but the way that Ngannou has looked in his last couple fights, I, I've got to roll with him as I think he's kind of the next guy pushing up to, to get another title shot. Yeah, I would, I would definitely, I think, I think Nganu will win this fight, but it won't come easy. Like a lot of no. people are thinking Roshan Shoik is like I said, his skill is so refined that he can just use it anywhere. Yeah. I think, I think Nganu won a decision or they might just both get knocked out. I don't see, <laughs> I don't see any of them getting knocked out. They're just, they're just, how, how both- far do you see this fight going? I can see it going to decision, honestly. Really? Because they're they're both so like even in my opinion. I can that's yeah. why I can see. I mean, it's a heavyweight fight. If it goes down in the second round, I won't be surprised. I think if someone oh, gets knocked out, it's going to be Rosenstrike. Yeah. But I don't see Ngannou getting knocked out, and I think Rosenstrike's just too refined of a fighter for Ngannou right. to really get in there. I mean, he can do it. I'm not doubting his ability. So I have Ngannou in the decision, but. If someone's getting knocked out, it's Rosenstrike. Uh, yeah, I think it, the way that we see a Rosenstrike win here uh, is that he can be methodical with that kickboxing, like I said, kind of chopping Ngannou down, get get into his legs, weaken him there uh, to the point to where Ngannou's not going to want to just, just stand and swing with him and get all that power behind it. I think that's the only way that Rosenstrike wins this. I don't see him being particularly successful with that due to the reach disadvantage. Yeah, I think he, could, he should go about this like uh... – Adesanya did against Romero, just keep chopping at the leg right. and just keep beating him down. I mean, if he gets in close and just tries to dirty box, I can't see that going well for him. No, so, no. Any, anytime he gets, he gets in tight against Ngannou, he's going to be in trouble uh, with that big right. Yeah, so I think if he, if he plays an Israel Adesanya-esque game like he did, like Adesanya did against Romero, I think he could definitely come away with this win. But they're just uh, – Ngannou just was – I think he'll be a more aggressive fighter than Romero was. So do you think the winner of this gets Stipe or when Stipe and Cormier fight the winner of that? I think it has to be the winner because, I mean, that Stipe-Cormier fight is going to be one of, if not the most built-up heavyweight title fight we've ever seen. And I don't think, for one, Stipe Miocic is going to be willing to risk it in that kind of scenario and two I don't think Dana White's going to be willing to risk the money that that third Miocic Cormier title fight would bring yeah I think that's just that's just a payday for Dana White that's a payday for uh Cormier and Stipe Miocic 
So I think I think the winner of this fight against Ngannou and Rochick will get the winner of that fight. And yeah, I think, definitely. yeah, there's just too much money invested in the Cormier-Stipe fight. So we're going to move on a little bit. We're going to head over to uh, Cejudo versus Cruz for the bantamweight title. Cruz coming off three years. So three. it's been about three years, right? Yeah, December 2016, he lost to Cody Garbrandt. Yeah. So what do you have on uh, Cruz's style? Dominic Cruz, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. He kind of came up. Uh, alongside some of the some of the traditionally uh, strong bantamweight guys we've seen, and it's almost been almost three years, so I I think it's going to be tough to see what we get out of him in this fight. I mean, we kind of know what what his traditional style has been uh, coming up with against Alexi Uriah Faber, and in that situation uh, back in the WEC, but it's it's really kind of up in the air as to what Dominic Cruz we see in this fight with Cejudo, in my opinion. Um, When you have guys with such long layoffs, it's, you never know what you're going to get because you have guys like Conor McGregor that come out and dominate, but then you have others that look like shells of their former selves. Yeah, that's definitely true. And, you know, he, he will give Cejudo a problem because he's such an unorthodox, he has such unorthodox movement in his fighting seems like he's just bouncing left to right in the fight and he does have quick he does have quick striking which will give Cejudo a problem so on to Cejudo tell me a little bit about his style well with what he does he's so versatile in this bantamweight division I was reading something that the UFC put out breaking down these fights earlier he's it's in 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 the words of of this article is quote unquote on a mission to substantiate his claim to being the greatest combat sports athlete of all time, uh, which taking out a legend like Dominic Cruz would certainly do that. So it's it's something uh, interesting to look at with him uh, just because this bantamweight division is so talented, but he has uh, held such a dominion over it. His, his different – the way he, he works things together is almost unmatched uh, really at any level in any weight class right now. Yeah, I, I mean, he's – He's the the cream of the crop when it comes to athletes. When you're an Olympic gold medalist in any sport, yeah. you you're the best of the best of athletes. And I think he would definitely have to use that advantage. And he he um and he has great striking. Not many people expect that from a guy who's like a wrestling a wrestler like that. But he he will come in and he will he will box you really close. And I think that will definitely come to his advantage. So what do you think the keys are for Cejudo? For Cejudo, I think he needs to he needs to get after Cruz early. Again, uh, Cruz can do all the training he wants, but until he gets back into uh, into the octagon again for the first time in almost three years, like we said, uh, he's not going to really uh, have have a full awareness of really what's going on around him. So I think Cejudo's got to jump on him early, uh, and I think if he can get on the attack really quickly, then this one could be finished early. Yeah, I think I think one of his keys is do not let the fight go to decision because Cruz has won a lot of fights in decision. And I think I think he needs to get Cruz to the ground and use his wrestling because yes. Cruz is just too talented of a striker to keep on the on the feet. And I think Cruz had a lot of problem with Cody Garbrandt because whenever Garbrandt took him to the ground, he couldn't use his striking that much. So I think right. if if Cejudo uses his ground game, 
I think he could definitely win the fight. So we're going to go to Cruz's keys. What do you think he needs to do to win this fight? I think uh, kind of what we just talked about, he needs to do the opposite of it. He needs to, to get it to a decision. Uh, he's, his stamina, again, is going to be something to watch because he hasn't fought uh, in, in the octagon in three years. Uh, so I feel like I'm a broken record saying that over and over again. But that really is the story of this fight on Cruz's side. We don't know what we're going to get out of him. Uh, but he's going to need to keep his conditioning up. He's going to need to, to have that stamina and to probably go uh, to the end of the fight. So I think Cruz's best shot is to take it to decision uh, and just keep Cejudo on his heels so he can't really get a good shot in to get him down to the ground. Uh, and Cruz, if he can stay on his feet uh, and still uh, be able to avoid Cejudo enough to get some solid strikes, and that's the best way in my opinion. I definitely agree with that. And I think he ne- he definitely needs to keep it standing. And he needs to use his reach advantage. He's a whole full four inches taller than Cejudo, if I'm not mistaken. And that that reach advantage is huge, especially in that division where people are tech- are usually fairly small. And he has to use his comeback mentality that he's always had, coming back after injury, after injury, and then with this, after this layoff, after Garbrandt. And he needs to shake off that ring rust. He doesn't. He doesn't think it is, but it's not like he's 28 going on 30. He's 35 now. He's not in the prime of his career. At least we think, unless some, unless the, he drank from the fountain of youth somehow. And I think he's got to use his movement to create angles on Cejudo. So keep him on. Keep Cejudo on his toes. And if he uses his movement to create angles, land a jab here and there, he'll win this fight in the decision. So what are your predictions for this fight? I, I'm going with Cejudo. He's the, the younger, more energetic. And honestly, at this point, even though they call Dominic Cruz the dominator, he's the more dominant fighter in the Bantamweight division right now. There's so much talent, as I said earlier, in that division. Uh, but Cejudo's really kind of been on top of it for a little while now. And I think uh, he can, can use that wrestling. Uh, and I think, honestly, a little bit of it may be to his advantage. He's only five foot four. I think he can kind of get in close on Cruz. Uh, while avoiding some of those bigger strikes, get him down to the ground and finish this one, I think, uh, sometime before before it goes to decision. Yeah, I I was basically going to say the same thing as you. If he gets it to the ground, I think it's over. And definitely with his small with his small size, you can create leverage with the with the wrestling, get him to the ground. So I have, I have Cejudo winning by knockout. All right, to the main event, the interim lightweight title. We got Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. What do you have on Tony Ferguson's style? Uh, he's just such an outstanding striker. Uh, he's he's kind of a, a, a long-rangey athlete. And it's a little bit unorthodox, but he's uh, outstanding on his feet. That's the biggest thing for me. Uh, he does so much well there. Uh, but then uh, he can, he's not really uh, an outstanding grappler on the ground, but uh, he's got a go-to move uh, that – uh, if if he gets in a position to throw that choke on, it's uh, it's it's kind of over uh, once he gets to that position. But I think the key for him is striking, staying on his feet, and maintaining that length that he brings into the octagon. Yeah, and with this wrestling background from Grand Valley State, I he definitely he definitely has decent ground decent ground game. I don't think he's a strong Gaethje who is an who's a division one wrestler in college. And yeah, I probably undersold Ferguson's ground game there a little bit, uh, but 
it's it's not the biggest thing that he brings to the octagon and it's certainly not going to be the focus for him in this fight oh for sure and he has a he has a black belt and 10th plant jujitsu under eddie bravo so you know he he knows all the submission techniques and he's just so well versed in just about everything he has muay thai he has boxing and he's just so creative with his strikes and his grappling like if he gets taken to the ground he'll grab you with his legs somehow around the neck i don't know how he does it so he he will definitely use his creative style in this one. So what what are the keys for Gaethje? I meant style for Gaethje, my bad. Uh, well, like you said, he's such an elite wrestler, and that's going to be the biggest thing for me. I think, as we've said, Tony Ferguson, even at 36, is still pretty good on the ground. Uh, but Gaethje, if he can, if he can really uh, get that amateur wrestling together, that'll be uh, a key for him, but also – Something to to keep a lookout for. Uh, he's collected seven post fight bonuses in his career, four fight of the night awards, and uh, really two of the best fights, the two best fights in 2017. Uh, so they call him the highlight, and it's for good reason. He can take a punch, he can throw a punch, and if he can get you on the ground, uh, he's got a really good chance to finish you there. Yeah, he can. He, and uh, the scary part is, even though he's a wrestler, he has one of the best stand up games in the UFC. And with his strong and aggressive striking. So that will definitely be something to look out for. We may have touched on this a little bit. So what are the keys for Ferguson to win this bout? I think he's got to maintain uh, some distance between him and Gaethje just based on, based on how he likes to use his striking game. Uh, he's – let me double-check the reach difference here. He's got a six-and-a-half-inch reach advantage on Justin Gaethje, despite them both being five foot eleven. So that's kind of a testament to what I was talking about earlier with Tony's kind of freakish length that he brings into the octagon. So I think if he can keep Gaethje at a distance, one, to keep him from, from throwing one of those big shots that, that Gaethje has, has used in the past to kind of stand and, and stagger guys before getting him to the ground, and then also it would keep him from getting into position for a decent takedown, I, I think keeping Gaethje at arm's length and probably taking this one to a to a decision is the best way to go for Tony Ferguson. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think he has to get uh, Ferguson uh, Gaethje into onto the ground into a position where he could submit him. And I think I think he if he, if this fight does go to decision, it, he will win this fight. And he definitely needs to utilize the reach, like you said. So, what are the keys for Justin Gaethje? I think the keys for Gaethje is you've got to stagger Ferguson early. Uh, Tony, again, with that six-and-a-half-inch reach advantage, I think that's going to be the story of this fight. If Gaethje can get in close and stagger Tony early and get him off of his game, uh, whether it be uh, on, the, on their feet striking uh, throughout the fight to, to keep him uh, at bay or if it's getting him on the ground and trying to put him away early, I think Gaethje is going to have to do something early in the fight that, that causes Tony to have to change his game plan on the fly uh, or else this is certainly going to go, go in the way of the number one contender. Yeah. I think, I think Gaethje will have to knock him out. I can't, I don't see him winning any other way. And then, yeah, definitely don't let it go to decision. And he, he cannot eat the punches. He absorbs. I saw on the UFC's website, 10.2 significant strikes a minute. And with the way Ferguson bloodies up his opponents, that won't be that will not bode well for Gaethje. So, who do you have in this fight? This is this is such an interesting one because uh, I think I think it's kind of become evident through through how I've been talking throughout this segment 
is uh, I I came in thinking uh, with these two styles, if it goes to the ground, Gaethje's the dominant wrestler. But the more and more I've thought about it, the more I the more I've realized how how great Tony Ferguson really is on the ground. It's it's something that I've always kind of undersold for him. So just because I think the fact that, that as we've talked, there's there's really three ways to end a fight in the UFC and knock out a submission uh, and taking it to a decision. Tony Ferguson probably has the advantage when it comes to getting at least two of those three. I got to go with him. Yeah, I, I have to go with Ferguson too. It seems like Gaethje is more of a one one way train. He can't. He he's he's a very he's a knockout artist. He's seems like he's won every fight by knockout. And I think with Tony Ferguson's diversity in the, in the octagon, he will definitely take this fight. I have him by submission sometime in the second or third round. So we're that, that's all I had on the list, but I think we can go through a little bit of uh, quick predictions here. So between Hall and Sousa, who do you got? Oh, you're right. Hall and Sousa. You caught, you caught me on the spot. You caught me <laughs> on the spot. Um, give me Hall. Honestly. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. that one too. Women's strawweight division. We got Michelle Watterson versus Carla Esparza. Who you got? Uh, this is this is not one I have I've looked into all that much. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it's all good. It's all good. Um, Michelle Watterson honestly had a lot of potential when she came in. She hasn't really been able to take that next step. Uh, but this is kind of a fight. As I'm looking at it now, with them at seven and eight, this could this could push one of them into contention. Give me give me uh, give me Michelle Watterson. Yeah, with yeah, this could definitely push Esparza or Watterson into contention. And I think Michelle Watterson has a little more experience in the bigger fights. Give me Watterson too. Alexi Olenek versus Fabricio Verdun. These are two old guys going at it. <laughs> yes, they are. These are just two old men's old men's. That's that's outstanding phrasing. Two old men with skulls made of rubber that are just going to try to beat each other up. I mean, Olenek's going to try to get you to the ground. I, I believe Alexi Olenek, I need to double check on this, but I believe Alexi Olenek is actually, uh, his wrestling coach is actually a uh, former WVU three-time uh, national champion wrestler, Greg Jones. So if that is the case, I'm going to go with Alexi Olenek solely for that fact. Yeah, I would have to go with Olenek too. He he fought in Brazil, I think, a couple months ago, if I'm not mistaken. He's he's a submission artist. He's won 46 of his of his 58 wins by submission, and I mean, I think if any of these guys get punched in the head, they're, they're just going down. These guys oh, yeah, have no he, if, yeah brain matter left in their head. So I got Olenek gets you to the ground. It's over. Yeah, I got Olenek, and so. Definitely the the main event on this preliminary card, for lack of a better term. I I, I would like to clarify. I was incorrect with my statement about Greg Jones. I still think Alexi Olenek is going to win this thing. Shout out Greg Jones, though. Yeah, all right. So the main event of the prelim card, we got Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis. Two or three? It's two, right? um, I'll I'll take a quick look. Yeah, that is... I think it's the second one. They yeah, haven't fought in a hot minute, though. Yeah, January 2013. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's their – this is their second fight. So, who you got yeah. in this one? Uh, this is – this. I feel like Cowboys running is almost fighting for his career at this point after dropping three in a, three in a row. 
Pettis has had a weird last couple of years, bouncing back and forth between lightweight and welterweight. I think this is going to be a really good fight uh, between a couple of really experienced guys. But we've seen uh, Donald Cerrone just keeps coming and coming and coming. And in a situation where, like I said, he may be fighting to keep his career alive, I see him taking this one. Yeah, I see. I don't know. This is a tough one for me because Donald Cerrone's definitely been on the, the downward side of the mountain here. And with Pettis, he's, yeah, he's old, he's getting old, but he's still a lot younger than Cerrone. And I don't think Cerrone has any, like I've said, much brain left in his head. I think one good head kick from Pettis will definitely do it for Cerrone. But I got, I'll take Cerrone in this one. He's fighting for his career and he's only ever had one title shot in his career. And I think he really just wants to try to get back up there. I don't see it happening. I mean, he got, he just got destroyed by Connor four months ago. And Connor was out for about a year and a half. I don't see it boating well for uh, either of them, but I, I have Cerrone winning this. So we didn't cover one. We we didn't cover one main event, but we have Greg Hardy versus Jorgen DeCastro. Who do you have in this one? The, the whole Greg Hardy situation with him coming up through the Contender Series, and then there's been so much controversy both in and out of the octagon with him. I think. As quickly as he has been pushed, he's he's been kind of humbled, especially after he dropped that fight to Volkov. I think we're going to see a different Greg Hardy than we have in the past in this fight, and I think he's he's going to have a really good chance to beat DeCastro here, and I think he takes him down probably by knockout. I think that's still probably the only way we're going to see Greg Hardy win fights right now. Yeah, I th- I have Hardy in this one. He's just... He was he was an all pro in the NFL. He's just a freak athlete when it comes to it. He had 15 sacks on you. He's quick, and I I have Greg Hardy just based off his pure athleticism. You and I were talking earlier. He's basically a Brendan Shaw with his just freak athleticism. Yeah, and that's what really carries him in fights. So I don't see Jorgen DeCastro really getting much head game on this uh, in this fight. I'm definitely taking Hardy with the KO. So, so if if, if DeCastro wins this at six and zero. Oh, uh, this could be honestly a, a star-making performance uh, for him, knocking off uh, somebody that the UFC obviously has a lot of interest in in just his second fight with, yeah, with the UFC. Yeah, for sure. And then I think I think whoever wins this fight will definitely be bolstered into the top fifteen with this fight easily. Yeah. So I I don't ever see any of these guys really contending for a title unless Greg Hardy makes some sort of magical run or probably not or Jorgen DeCastro, but these guys will definitely be ranked. One of them, the winner will definitely be ranked after this fight. So final thoughts, you got anything else on this? Nothing really comes to mind. I mean, we got a lot of, got a lot of UFC action coming up soon. So uh, I'm sure we will be back not long from now to, uh, to get some preview action. Oh, yeah, for sure. So we'll be back with the review. Then soon after that, we'll be back for a preview with the fight nights between uh, Walt Harris and Overeem. Who's the other one? I can't remember. Oh, um, neither can I. It's it's not a fight. I don't, I don't Is it Smith? Uh, oh, I can't remember his name. I'm it's, the, so, it's the dude whose house got broken this is, into. This is great radio. Um, one moment, please. Events, UFC events, upcoming events. Looking at the schedule. Um, Smith versus Teixeira. Smith Teixeira, yeah. Smith Teixeira. Yeah, we got some good fights on that one. We got St. Prue and Rothwell on that card. And then on the next one, which is uh, Overeem versus Harris, we got Angela Hill 
we got we got and Edson Barbosa. We got these we got are good, good cards. We got some good fights to cover. All right, guys, we'll definitely be back for some of those the fights on those cards, and we'll definitely be back for a review of UFC 249. Daniel, thank you for coming back on. Absolutely, thank you. This is definitely our best episode, I believe, and we will see so. you for the UFC 249 review.